0: What's going on, Coastal Community Church? How are you guys doing this morning? You guys doing good? Welcome, welcome, welcome. My name is TJ. I'm one of the pastors here. We're so glad you're joining with us. Can you guys help me welcome everybody that's watching online and everybody at our Lighthouse Point location? Man, we love you guys. We're so glad you guys are joining with us today as we are beginning a brand new series called go before we dive into that i've got one thing that i want you guys to be aware of as you walked in today you received a worship god on the front of that worship god are some things that are coming up in our church one of those things is our thanksgiving outreach that we do where we feed hundreds and hundreds of families throughout the community and we give you an opportunity to participate and so on that worship, God, there's there's a whole bunch of things that you can go and pick up to participate and be a part of that. There's canned goods, there's there's food, there's all kinds of stuff, and you can bring that over the first two weekends of November, November the weekend of November 5th and the weekend of November 12th as well. If you go, hey, you know what? I don't want to go shopping. I would just rather pay for things. That's what I do. I just rather pay for things. I don't like going shopping. Publix is not pleasure. Okay, and so. You know, and, and so I, I would just rather, we for 50 bucks, we can provide all of that for a family. You can go online to coastalcommunity.tv slash thanksgiving, and you can participate by giving there. We'd love for you guys to be a part of this. It's one of the coolest outreaches we do, along with our Christmas store in December, and that'll be coming up. We'll let you guys know about that. But we want you guys to participate in this. It's a way for us to impact our community, and for you to impact your community, it's a way for your kids to participate. You can take them shopping with you and go, they'll go, why are we doing this? We're doing this because we're helping somebody in need. You want want to impact the next generation? Help them be a part of impacting other people. This is a great way for parents, for you to participate with your kids. So I want to encourage you to be a part of that. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be fun. Let's do it. Anyways, let's dive into today. Today we're starting a brand new series called GOAT. And uh, some of you guys are like, "Why, why are we doing a series called GOAT? If you don't know in the sports world there's an acronym that's out there and it's not just in the sports world but it's 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 an acronym GOAT stands for the greatest Of all time. And if you're a sports fan, like I am a sports fan, there is a constant and continuous debate about who is the greatest of all time and whatever sport of choice that you have. And and so I thought we would just have a little bit of fun today. Since there's always a debate, I thought we would settle it once and for all in our church who is the greatest of all time when it comes to some particular sports. We have the First sport of basketball, and and there's three options when it comes to basketball. How many of you guys would say Kobe is the greatest of all time? Come on, give him some love. How many of you guys are, LeBron James is the greatest of all time? How many of you guys actually got the correct answer and would say Michael Jordan? No debate right there. Michael Jordan has officially... Take The basketball reign. Okay, okay. We're going to go to a different sport. I, and this one might not be as popular because we're in South Florida, but hockey. There's a big debate. Is it, is it Wayne Gretzky? Yeah. Mario Lemieux? Woo. The one person from Pittsburgh. Or, or if you're old school, Gordie Howe? Okay. Everybody that's over the age of 50 knew who that was. Okay. Now, this is a big one that's going on right now. It's, it's in the tennis world, and there's a huge debate over these three particular men. How many of you guys would say Roger Federer? Rafael Nadal? Or Novak? I don't know how to say his last name. <laughs> okay, okay. Second to last one here, baseball, the most boring sport on the planet. <laughs> thankfully, thankfully, they put in a pitch clock. How many of you guys that say Babe Ruth is the greatest of all time? How about Barry Bonds? Woo! I'm actually a Barry Bonds fan. How about Willie Mays? Okay. How many of you guys just don't care about baseball? Okay. Perfect. Perfect. So we don't care about baseball. It's not America's sport anymore. Okay. America's pastime is officially over. Uh, Second to last one. Boxing. Muhammad Ali. Mike Tyson, yeah. Floyd Money Mayweather, okay, uh, and then the last sport, he's already established himself, let's be honest, Tom Brady's the GOAT, <laughs> like, where are my Brazilian people at, you know, you know it's true, it, it doesn't matter what it is, he, like, he just won, he won in looks, and he won in championships, I mean, it's just not, not fair, he didn't win in marriage, but he won in those areas, so. <laughs> but, but the debate about who is the greatest of all time is, is not just limited to sports. It happens in a lot of aspects. And I think one of the great debates out there is the debate when it comes to religion. Like, like, how is it that you and I, we arrive in heaven? Like, how do we make it there? And there's a question that I want to talk about today that I think is a very, very important question when it comes to the GOAT, the greatest of all time, Debate. In fact, I don't think that there is a bigger question than this question, and it's simply this. What does it take to be made right with God? Like, what does it take for you and I to be made right with God? And, and if you ask that question today in our society, you will get a lot of different answers. You know, no, no matter what you believe Whatever your spiritual background may be, or even if you don't have a spiritual background, I would say that we live in a very spiritually pluralistic society. And in other words, there is a tolerance that is really, really high, and it's very common for people to believe things like this. All roads lead to heaven. Like it doesn't really matter what you believe, as long as you're sincere. And and people would say all religious things. Lead to the same place, anyways. And there are a lot of different beliefs about God. And what's interesting to me as a pastor is as soon as someone dies in life, you know, people aren't typically thinking about what's next because we live with this idea that we are invincible and we are going to last forever, but the moment someone begins to, someone passes away, as soon as someone dies, I've noticed that almost everyone begins to have a certain kind of theology, and I call it a feel-good theology, where it doesn't matter how they were raised, it doesn't matter how they lived or what they believed, they say things like, thankfully, she's not suffering anymore. Like, now now he's an angel in heaven. He's in such a better place today, or something like that, or, or they say things like, now now, grandma is going to watch over us for the rest of our lives. Now, I don't know about you, but there are a couple times a day I don't want grandma watching me. <laughs> like, I think, I think grandma would be a little disgusted by some of those things, but like, like, like it's just not good. And so the question is, is how are we made right with God? And what's interesting about this particular subject is is that we can talk about spiritual things all day long, and it's not controversial at all. Like, you can say you have a higher power, you can say you, you're, you're connected to a higher being, you can say God, you can say spirituality. None of those things are controversial in our society today. The only time it gets controversial is when you incur or say the name of Jesus Christ. Like, all of a sudden, it gets really controversial, which is interesting, because most of those people would not deny that there was a person that actually watched, walked this earth named Jesus Christ. They, they would not deny the historical evidence that Jesus was a real person that walked this earth. What's also interesting to me is that people don't actually dislike his teaching. Like, they actually really like his morals and his values, like serve the poor, care for people, love people unconditionally, forgive others. Like, people love... His teaching, they don't debate the teaching of Jesus. They don't debate the existence of Jesus. But what is the thing that gets everybody wigged out about Jesus is the exclusive claim that Jesus actually makes. In a world where we're very inclusive, Jesus all of a sudden walks onto the scene and goes, no, 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 this isn't an inclusive thing. This is a very exclusive thing. And the exclusive thing that Jesus says that rocks the world is simply this. It comes out of John chapter 14, verse six, and he says, he answered, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father, this is the exclusive part, except through me. In an inclusive world of religious plagiarism plagiarism, or pluralism, Jesus makes this exclusive claim that he is the only way, he is the only truth, and that he is the only life. In a place, in a day, in an age where we say things like all roads lead to heaven, he goes, no, 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 that's not how it is. There is one road and one road only, and it's through my life. Now, I want to recognize today that there are a lot of religions out there, and I'm trying to establish that Jesus is the greatest of all time. And, and so I want to acknowledge that there are a lot of religions that are out there, and there are some good things in every single one of those religions. And and so what I want to do is I want to break down a couple of the major in two minutes or less and and briefly recognize that not all religions are the same. Like they don't all lead to the same place. We'll start with Buddhists. Buddhists believe that there is no God, no type of final existence. A Buddhist is going to believe in countless rebirths. Like they're going to be born again over and over. And eventually you hope to end the cycle. Like you're so good it, it ends with you. You contrast that with Hinduism, in Hinduism, they believe in multiple gods, an impersonal God that is approached through deities and statues and idols. And you take these first two, Buddhism and Hinduism, and they offer no forgiveness, no supernatural help. They only offer karma. In other words, you cut somebody off on 95, somebody's going to cut you off on 95. You deserve it. It's karma. You cuss somebody out, somebody's going to cuss you out. Karma. You get what you deserve. You contrast that with a Muslim who is going to worship a personal God named Allah. They have no secondary gods. There's a total ban on idols. And your standing with Allah is based on your religious works and your effort. So how much effort you put in, how many good things you do determines where you stand. You contrast that with new age there is no god you are to be one with the cosmos you're to be one with the air you're to be one with the universe and then you contrast that with someone who's a Jesus follower, who believes in a personal God, who loved his people so much that he became like one of them in the personhood of Jesus. He lived a life without sin, died for the sins of the world on the cross of Calvary, rose again, and made people right by God, not by going through deities or idols or religious performance, but by faith in the act that Jesus paid on the cross, defeating death, hell, and grave so we can have everlasting life so i just want to acknowledge like there, while there can be good and positive things about all religions they're not the same like there is a distinct difference and here's what i want to do today and i just want to ask this is that you would consider jesus with me now let me be real clear i'm not asking you to consider the church I'm not asking you to consider a denomination. I'm not asking you to consider Christians because let's be honest, there's some weird Christians out there. Can we all, we've all testified, we've all experienced some of them. I'm not asking you to base it off that. I'm not asking you to base it off me because I will let you down. I will fail you. I'm asking you to simply consider Jesus, what he claimed, what he was about, what he did what just look at his life and and see what happens and i want us to look at three aspects today number one if you're taking notes i want you to consider the impact of jesus i want you to consider the impact who we came for and how we treated them the impact of jesus mark chapter 2 starting in verse 16 it says this when the teachers of the law who were who were pharisees saw jesus eating with sinners and tax collectors they asked the disciples, Why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? On hearing this, Jesus said to them, It's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. And I love this with all of my heart. Jesus did not come for those that have got it all together. Jesus came for people like me who needed help, who needed grace, who needed mercy, who needed love, who needed an encounter with a living God. <laughs> Jesus came for the religious, rejected. When everyone said, oh, you're, you're you're too good for them, Jesus said, no, 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 I'm perfect for right where they are. For those that the world rejected, Jesus embraced. For those that the world said, you're not good enough Jesus said I'll take you he looked at every person out there and he loved everyone that the normal people despise he welcomed those that were turned away he welcomed those that were rejected he welcomed those that weren't perfect in their life and maybe you're out there and you think you're perfect and you're walking around with your halo Jesus accepts you too because as perfect as you are your stuff sinks too Because not only did Jesus come for sinners, but when you look at the impact of Jesus, you'll be blown away by the miracles of Jesus. Like what did this guy do? He had the power of God to open blind eyes. He healed deaf ears. He called mute people to speak. Jesus multiplied a few loaves of bread and a few fish to feed tens of thousands. He cast demons out of people. He even rose the dead. In fact, the very first miracle of Jesus is he turned water into wine. Not non-alcoholic wine, but al- alcoholic wine from our Baptist people out there. <laughs> Presbyterians, you know what I'm talking about. And what's interesting about the miracles of Jesus is that even his detractors during his day didn't debate the validity of the miracles he was performing. They just wanted him to stop. Their question they continually ask is, by whose power... Are you doing this? And, and no one said, you didn't raise people from the dead. They saw it, and they considered the impact of it. And what I think is so amazing is, is that there are so many that are in here, that are watching online, that are right there in Lighthouse Point. When you look at your life, what you see is the impact of Jesus. If we were to take a mic and walk around this room, there would be story after story story after story about the testimony of the impact of Jesus in people's lives. Like, let me just tell you about a couple right here in our church. One of them, this, this gentleman started attending our church. He was actually uh, separated from his wife at the time. They, they thought that their marriage was going to end, and his neighbor David invited him when we met at Monarch High School. And and this guy walked in, and he was rough and he was tough, and I wasn't really sure where he stood on his faith. And he started listening to this series we were doing on marriage. And, and eventually he started applying some of those principles with his spouse. And he ended up giving his life to God. And, and over time, he started he started falling more and more and more in love with Jesus. And all of a sudden, he started to change and transform their marriage. And as their marriage got restored, they started to recognize that there was this massive call of God on his life. And he started serving other people. and He started loving other people. He started impacting other people. He started leading groups. And before long, he's basically pastoring all of these guys in our church and as he continues to restore his life and do miraculous things. Just earlier this year, we ordained him as a pastor in our church where he is now transforming lives on a weekly basis. His name is Eddie Berkheimer. Came in broken, came in addicted and changed and transformed by the impact of Jesus. I think just like a couple of weeks ago, right after our, our services, every weekend we have people in what we call our hub that are praying for people. And, and over the last couple of weeks, we're seeing like miraculous miracles, like physical healings taking places. People are being prayed over in Jesus' name and, and people are getting, walking out and they're like, Pastor they, in fact, a couple of weeks ago, there was, there was a couple of guys that came out and they're like, oh my gosh, Pastor DJ, I couldn't do this. And now look, God miraculously healed me. They're like, check on my back. I'm doing all these things. like, God, like heal this. And. There was a girl that was serving in our, in our cafe kind of area, and she was seeing all these people get healed. And she thought to herself, why not me? Why not me? And she walked in there, and they laid hands on this girl, and, and she was miraculously healed. She was like, oh, my God. She was, uh, she was coming out, and she was she, right there, right there. She was miraculously healed. She's British. She's British. Because of the impact of Jesus. If you need to be impacted by Jesus, go to the hub afterwards. <laughs> hub, you might need some more people after that. I think about the most impactful one to me, it's, it's my story. I think about the fact that I was broken and I was hurting and I, I didn't know how to express that, so I threw myself into lying and cheating and drinking and partying and I mean it was so bad that that like my friends when I would throw parties would hide my car behind our house so I wouldn't I thought after I got drunk it'd be fun to go driving like my friends would hide my car and hide my keys because I was out of control I remember I, I was so messed up my parents who are actually sitting on the front row today uh they were getting ready to win an award in front of tens of thousands of people in New Orleans. And the night before, I decided to go out on Bourbon Street and and as a 19-year-old with a fake ID and I drank so, so much trying to suppress the brokenness that was inside. See, a lot of you think, oh, I'm, I'm drinking to have a good time. No, 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 you're, you're drinking to hide from something. And I remember I got so drunk that, that I passed out. And I don't actually remember that. This is what people told me, and some people found me that I didn't even know. And they brought me back to their hotel room. Praise the Lord, I have no idea what they did to me. But they... I woke up the next day and, and I had thrown up all night and uh, come to find out I'd had alcohol poisoning. Should have probably died. But I thought, man, I can play this off like I played it off like I'm a liar, I'm a cheater, I, I, I can manipulate, I'm I'm play this off. I went back to, I found my way back to my hotel, I went and took a shower, I put some mouthwash in, I sprayed a bunch of cologne so I smelled like a cheap French person. Sorry if you're French. Uh, And I showed up to that event. And I remember sitting down next to my mom and my stepdad. And I must have looked like hell. Because they were like, you need to go. And I remember being so embarrassed that I embarrassed my family. And I remember a week later just getting to this place where I was like, I was out by this river called the Manatee River and I just, I cried out to God. I said, God, if you are real, if you will change my life, I will follow you all the days of my life. And that night, something transformed inside of me. I didn't just become a better version of myself. A new person was formed. And all the desires of my past were all of a sudden gone. My addiction that I had was all of a sudden, it was taken away. Like I, I was miraculously touched by the power of God. Consider the impact of Jesus Like, I'm not standing here as a person that's a little bit different today. I am standing here as a new creation. The old has passed away, and the new has come. I've been transformed by the power of God, and God's power, he actually wants to transform you. (laughs) Consider the impact of Jesus. Number two, consider the resurrection of Jesus. Consider the resurrection now. Now you may say, what does the resurrection matter? Because Jesus was miraculously conceived. He was born of a virgin. He did not inherit the sin nature of an earthly father because the Holy Spirit impregnated Mary, so he came from a heavenly father, so he didn't have that sin nature. He was completely without sin. He lived a perfect life for you and I, and then he took our shame and our pain and our past and our mistakes on the cross of Calvary he became sin for you and I he suffered horribly while creation was mocking the creator as they spit on him and hurled insults on him and beat him beyond recognition they nailed him to the cross and Jesus looked out into heaven and he cried out with a loud voice Father forgive them because they don't have a clue what they are doing like what kind of grace is that? What kind of love is that? What kind of forgiveness is that? And then Jesus cries out with a victorious cry. It is finished, God. Into your hands I commit my spirit. And he breathes his last and he dies right there. In the moment he did, the earth went dark. The veil was torn. Access was given to us, to the heavenly father. And the Roman centurion that was standing there mocking Jesus looks up at him, seeing what had transpired and literally says, surely this man was a son of God. Like, you think about that. Like, just as Jesus had predicted, he said, man, I'm going to give my life. I'm going to be crucified. I'm going to die. And here's what's going to happen. Three days later, I'm going to rise from the dead. And three days later, the women went to the tomb and they saw the stone was rolled away and they found out he's not here. And then Peter comes running up, and Peter discovers that he's not here. Peter would just deny Jesus not once, not twice, but three times. And then just a few days later, we see him preaching in Acts chapter 3. And he said, you killed the author of life, but God who raised him from the dead, we are the witnesses of this. And that's a key phrase right there at the end. We are the witnesses of this. Like they saw. That's why the disciples, they were willing to give their lives for Jesus when they were denying him days earlier because they saw the power of the resurrection. The resurrection, everything hinges on the resurrection. What's interesting to me is people say, well, I, I, I bet the Roman soldiers stole the body. No, no, listen, Romans more than anything else, they wanted to kill people. And they wanted to display their killing. Well, well, other people will argue, well, it must have been the disciples that took the body. So you're telling me that ton uneducated men who were from Galilee overpowered Roman centurions, even though they'd never fought in their lives. And not only did they overpower Roman centurions, but then they concocted the greatest lie of all time, denied it to their death, and it ended up changing the world for good? I don't think so. No, they were witnesses. Like 10 of the remaining 11 disciples, because Judas took his own life, 10 of them died deaths as a martyr. They were willing to die. I don't know anybody that will die for a lie. I just don't. They were willing to die because they saw it. My favorite one is Thomas. Thomas is he's called the doubter. He's a lot like me, and I'm going to guess he's a, a lot like you. Thomas goes, man, the only way I'm going to believe is if I see the wounds and I touch the wounds. And Jesus shows up on the scene, and he says, hey, Thomas, what's up, my boy? Don't just holler at me. Come, come touch the wounds. Come experience the suffering that I gave for you. You know what's interesting about Thomas? Is Thomas ended up being the first missionary to go to the country of India. And he spread the gospel all throughout India and, and when he was captive, when he was captured by the people that were there. And, They were getting ready to execute him. They said, Thomas, if you will deny your faith in Jesus Christ and the resurrection of his life, we will set you free. And you know what he said? He said, I will never deny what I have seen with my eyes and what I have experienced with my hands. Jesus is the son of God as they impaled him on a stake. Why? Because he was an eyewitness that the tomb was empty, And Jesus was written, was risen. They were witnesses. And 2,000 years later, there's hundreds of thousands, millions of believers meeting all over the world because they were witnesses. Consider his impact. Consider his resurrection. Number three, consider the message of Jesus. Going back to the initial question, how am I made right with God? Here's what Romans says. He said, Paul says it like this, we are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. Notice what it doesn't say. It doesn't say we're made right with God by being good enough or by not being good bad or by not saying bad words on the golf course or by not yelling at our kids in the car or not fighting with our spouse on the way to church or by, by not having that struggle in life. No, no, no. What does it say? It says we are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ, and this is true for everyone who believes no matter who we are are. Don't miss it. It's true for whoever believes. It's true if you believe. It's true if you've messed up. It's true if you've screwed up. It's true no matter how bad you've been or how good you've been. It's true no matter how life has messed you up or how you've messed up your life. It doesn't matter how many people you've hurt or how many people have hurt you. It doesn't matter how many times you've sinned, how many times you've given into that addiction. You are not made right by God by being good enough. You are made right with God because Jesus was perfect he took on the penalty and he paid the price for your sins see we want to compare Jesus with all the other religions that are out there but Jesus was never about a religion he was about a relationship don't miss this Jesus did not come To start a religion Jesus came to offer you and I eternal life Jesus didn't come to start a religion. He came to show us the love of God See religion religion is simply all about how you perform Relationship is about how Jesus performed Religion says if you work hard enough Maybe, just maybe, God will love you. Relationship says because God loves you, you want to obey him. Religion is all about what you do. Relationship is about what Jesus has already done for you. Consider the message that you're not made right with God by your own good works, but by the grace and the mercy and the love of Jesus. Here's where I stand. If there is a God who's born of a virgin and claims to be the Son of God, He says that I am the way, the truth, and the life. And he lives a perfect life, and in the middle of that, he predicts his death, he predicts his resurrection, he predicts the denials, he predicts the church being built, and then he dies, and he rises again, and all the things that he predicted come true, I'm going with that God. I'm going with that God, because that guy came for a sinner like me he came for a broken person like me. He came for an addict like me. That guy showed me what the love of God looked like when I didn't deserve it. I didn't earn it. I couldn't take it. All of a sudden when I experienced it, it changed me forever. And the God that I serve is the God that sends his son, not for the healthy, but those who are sick and hurting and broken and lost and are hungry and are thirsting for him. And it says that anyone who calls on the name of Lord they can experience that kind of relationship and what does that cause me to do It causes me to throw my hands up and say God take my life take my whole life not my will be done but your will maybe some of you you're in that same position you've been trying to earn your way You've been trying to achieve your way. You've tried trying to be good enough. You've tried to be smart enough. You've tried to be accepted by people. I want you to know God has already accepted you. Even in the middle of all your junk, it says that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And maybe you're out there today and you've experienced a lot of religion. You've experienced a lot of rules. And God's going, This isn't about religion. This isn't about rules. This is about a relationship. When you see the cross, you see Christ's arms wide open. He's open for you today. He's waiting for you today. And it begins with a simple yet significant prayer of surrender. And maybe you're here today and you need to experience while Jesus is the greatest of all time. Because he lived, he came, he lived, he died, and he resurrected for you. So you could be restored into relationship with your creator. With every head bowed and every eye closed. If you say, you know what, TJ, I need to experience that today. If you just slip your hand up at the count of three, I'd love to pray with you. One, two, three. Yeah, go on, slip them up high. It's no shame. Man, hands going up all over the place here. Up there in the balcony. Yeah, I see you up there. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. just pray this in your heart as I pray it out loud. Say, God, thank you for loving me so much that while I was still a sinner, while I was still messed up and broken, you gave the greatest gift, the gift of your son, Jesus. God, I ask you to forgive me of my past, change my present, and secure my future. I surrender my will and I surrender my way. Jesus, come into my heart. And don't just be my Savior, but be my Lord. I choose to follow you all the days of my life. Jesus, I love you. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. And everybody said amen.